0: Hey, this is Britt Vargas, and I am the high school ministry associate director at Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California, and this is our HSM podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out today. I hope this encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Uh, Welcome to HSM at the Five, guys. We are beginning a new sermon series called Iconic, and so what I encourage you guys to do in the next five weeks, actually, is to lean in. Say, lean in. Lean into what the Lord has for us as we study the life of Jesus. What I'm encouraging you guys to do is to, if you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible. Uh, we're going to lower those lights a little bit so you guys can have that. And then we're going to ask you guys, one, to focus your eyes in on John chapter 1, 1 through 18. John chapter 1, 1 through 18. That's where we're beginning our uh, series today, talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus, Jesus Christ, and that Jesus himself is the living word. Now, why do we say iconic? We believe that really, truly, if anyone is to understand the heart of God, to know God, you must know Jesus. To know God, you must know Jesus. And so if you guys are at John 1, 1 through 18, say amen. Awesome. And we're going to read this together. I'm reading out of the ESV. It says this, that in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was nothing or anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In fact, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone who has come into the world. He was in this world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, or the will of man, but of God. And this word became flesh and dwelt, it lived amongst us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses... And grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is the Father's side, and he has made him known. That's John 1, 1 through 18. That's our text this evening. And I ask you guys again, if you have Bibles, turn over there. Put your, uh, get your markers out. If your person uses a digital Bible and you mark up on your phone, like that's your jam, this is where we are today. And we're talking about iconic moments and iconic people. And when I think of icons in our culture, icons are not just images or people. They're actually also moments. And I believe my argument tonight and for us to begin this series is that Jesus Christ, hands down, is the most Iconic person in the world, period. There's no one like him. will never be anyone like him. Like he is top dog and that's it. And so when I think of icons though in our present day and age, I think of this guy. I think of Will Smith, right? In fact, his son has a song called... Thank you. Icon living. All right. So, like, this guy is on his game. He's been doing, what, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was a rapper before. Like, he's done all the things. But what happens is when you get an icon and you have another icon like this one, you have an iconic moment. I don't even need to explain what happened when these two gentlemen were on the stage a few weeks ago. The world was in awe as these two icons kind of duked it out. And they made an iconic moment. Again, icons are not just about the people or about the moments. My arguments, what I'm trying to convince you of is that Jesus Christ not just is an icon, but he is the one who shapes and makes and even defines purpose and being for all of us as believers. And we can talk about other icons like the Berlin Wall falling and stuff like that. But there's nothing that compares to when Jesus stepped into time. So iconic was Jesus' coming to our world that he actually separated the world's time from B.C. and A.D., meaning before Christ and A.D. in the year of our Lord. Like this is what's happening right here when Jesus comes. He shapes and makes our world relevant and gives it purpose. Now, John 1, 1 through 18, what we just read is basically the movie trailer for Jesus Christ on the earth. And my hope is that as you hear these words, these truths about this Jesus, that your heart is captivated about who this God is. And really, these three points is where we're going this evening. So if you're a person who takes notes or takes pictures of notes on the screen and puts them in your notes, this is your moment right now. This is it. These three points. Who is this icon? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Is he a good teacher? Is he just a man? Is he a prophet? Is he a wild person? Is he crazy? Two, why did he come? Why did he come? If he truly is God, what do we need to have this God present with us here and now? And then lastly, what is our response to this truth? To this truth, what is our response to this truth? So one, who who is this God's word kicking off this evening? And John one one through five says this: that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. I mean, we read that text together, and in that text we see the word. Well, really, the word, the word, and that really talks about Jesus as. The word, living word, alive and active, it's personified, and the word, like the word, the word they're used means logos in the Greek, which means what? A powerful and intelligent force that defines reason and creation. Now, for us reading the Bible here in 2022 in this hot room, we're like, what the heck does that mean for me? See, for people who read this Bible back in the day, if you were Greek, they would have a vision of this word logos and understand that it is a force that moves and shapes and defines all of reality. Shapes and moves all of reality and gives purpose to who we are. That sounds familiar. That sounds like what we talked about recently about Jesus shaping all time and space. And so the people reading the Bible at this time would be two groups of people generally. You'd have people who would be kind of like Greeks or Greco-Roman people. And they would see God in this worldview that He is present but unimportant. See, then you have gods like like Zeus and Hercules and all those like crazy gods, because these gods were basically dumb. They would get drunk, do stupid stuff, but they were mm, good sometimes, sometimes really bad, but Unimportant to some people. And then others would see, like the Jews, that God was actually far from us. He's so high, so separated from us. And some of us, I believe, we generally have this worldview of Jesus and this worldview of God. That he indeed is one. If he is real, maybe he's absent and unimportant. Like, God, where were you when that guy broke my heart? Simple things like that. Or where were you, Lord, when, guess what? People were being shot in a school. Like, God, where are you right now when the war is still waging in Ukraine? Like, these are the questions that people are asking in their minds. And so we generally hold that worldview of maybe God is around, but maybe he's really absent and really unimportant if he even exists. And then two, you might be in a place where you say Jesus is present, yes, but unreachable. You're like, God, I come to church every Sunday, I've been in middle school, I've been to all the summer camps, but God, I pray and I read my Bible and I don't feel or hear you. And so you might say that God himself, he's present, yet he's also unreachable. What I'm trying to convince you of this evening is this, that God is actually with us. He's amongst us. He's not far off. He's present in this room, shaping and moving our lives, moving us forward into his purpose. And so we see this man, John, John, who wrote the book of John. I mean, go figure, right? Like he actually believes this truth so much so that he was boiled in oil and then also then left on an island of Patmos to die. Like he was willing to die for this truth, to believe that Jesus truly was the Son of God, and in John one one five, he says again, the beginning was this word. And the word was with God. Now, if you guys have not understood or not really fixed our eyes on what's been going on on the screen, is that as I study my Bible, and I hope you would study your Bible, is that you grab markers, pens, or whatever you, you do in your, uh, your Apple phone, Android phone, green phone, whatever you got, right? Uh, Save the world phone. Like you were underlining, circling things out. And what I did when I read this text, when I saw this, I began to circle what stood out to me. This is how I study my Bible, and I hope this would be your studying form as well. That you would circle and underline things that stood out to you. And so for me, I saw that in this text, it was saying that Jesus is there in the beginning. That he is also with God. That he also was God. And so I began to see that in these words, John is telling us a few things about Jesus. One, he is the creator. Like he made all things. All things exist for, by, and through Jesus. Two, that he is eternal. He's always been. After all the things pass away and life is broken and burnt and horrible. Like we just talked about the brokenness we have in our world. In Ukraine and all that stuff happening in our world here and now. He will still remain. And then lastly, that Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. And because he exists here and now, he shines in the middle of all of our darkness and gives us purpose. See, ultimately, Jesus Christ Gives us purpose for our future. He is the gas in our engine. He is the way that we drive on. He is the driver in the vehicle. I mean, honestly, he is himself the vehicle that we jump into to lead us to our future with him in heaven. And I would argue this point using the famous words of our friend or common uh, 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 poets of our day, Bob Marley. He would say... No woman, no cry, right? And that's like a real thing. We've heard that song before. I'm not going to sing it because the copyright strikes on our YouTube and podcast. But check it out. Because I actually sound like him. Anyway, moving on. I would actually say this. No Jesus, no life. That apart from this Jesus in our life, we literally have no life. Apart from this Jesus, there is no purpose Like people make these arguments about what is actually good and what is actually pure. What is actually uh, uh, something of good report. And you find nothing else in this world worth living for truly except Jesus, the son of God. And so I would say this again. Jesus defines our purpose. 6-8 says this about Jesus. Jesus. Actually, a man called John the Baptist. Not the John we're talking about, but John the Baptist. John the Baptist who was actually fire baptized in his mother, mother's womb. This is like an insane moment. Like Imagine being in your mother's womb, fire baptized, re- receiving the Holy Spirit. And then it's written about John. That there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe in him or through him. He himself was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. So... What does this mean? This means that John the Baptist is kind of like a best man. How many of you guys have been to a wedding, right? At a wedding you have the bride, the groom, the best man. And what happens is this John the Baptist guy is supposed to direct all attention to this groom. To help him. To see the bride that's coming down the aisle. Now when people go down the aisle, typically the groom, people make all these comments about the groom better cry. Because it's a real thing, it's a real moment, like emotions are in your face. I, I, I personally cried enough. But I'm not going to get into that. It's not about me tonight. It's about the fact that we ourselves are kind of like John the Baptist. We are not the light, but we have an opportunity to show light and to show people this Jesus, to bring him into this life. See, we ourselves, like John, have been sent by God. And the question you have to ask yourself right now in this room is, does your life testify of the light of Jesus? Like, that's a real question you have to ask yourself. Now, eyes up on me right now. You have to ask yourself this question. You guys have easily seen those fight Instagrams. In fact, you're all in those fight Instagram accounts. Let's be real, right? You watch those things. You're all about it. If you're shocked, gosh, this is what's happening in our world right now, right? Where there's actual Instagrams that are dedicated to fights on school campuses. No lie. It's wild. And so you're like, how do you get into these? these? You're smiling because you know it's real. Like, the, the reality is this. How do you get into these these Instagrams? You have to be invited into this space. It's private. It's unique. What God has done is that he has not just invited us into this space that's unique and, 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 and special. More special than a private Instagram. No, he's invited us into his heart to know him, to love him, to be with him. But what has happened is... He came to his people, people who knew him, who loved him. And it says that his own, in John 1, 11, did not receive him. Now, it's the worst thing to be part of a family, and yet the family does not receive you as your own. It's the worst thing to want to belong somewhere and then not be accepted. It's the most horrible thing ever. And this is what happened to Jesus. People rejected him. How, how much they reject him? They actually took his life. They killed him. This is not just saying, nah, I don't want to hang with you. No, no, no. They took his life. They killed Jesus. He was crucified, died buried. Our hope is that we know that he resurrected in the third day. See, not everyone who heard Jesus rejected him. It says in 12 through 13, but to all who did receive him, those who did pay attention to him, who trusted him, who, it says, believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We can therefore say that for us, as people in this room who have believed in Jesus, who trust Jesus, that we become children of God when we believe. That's it, there's no secret sauce. There's no mountain you have to climb. There's no goat you have to slaughter. There's no like a thousand mile run you have to run. There are people who do all the weirdest things so they can have peace with God. Guess what? No candles have to be burnt. No incense has to be burnt. Like there's nothing you have to do. You don't even have to have read this Bible 20 times back to back. You don't have to have served in the worship team. You don't have to go to VBS. Check it out. Once you believe in Jesus, you become a child of God. Now, what's trippy is it's as easy as that. The difficulty in that is actually living a life that proves that you have this faith. By living day by day, trusting in Jesus. Because like the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are prone to wander. We forget so quickly. We forget so quickly. Which is why our relationships don't last very long. We're so caught up with, like, what happened yesterday, who talked to who, and who's gossiping about who. We can't hold on to what is present. But the rest of that song says, take my my heart, God. Like, take and seal it. Seal it for your heart above. Like, take my heart and seal it. Secure it. Hold me safe. We need the Savior in our life. We become children of God when we believe. Though I can say that we, people who To actually actually believe in Jesus is to receive Jesus. So why does he come? Like, what's the point of this powerful, again, we talked about this immovable, immortal force. Why does he come? Why is he even making himself personable? Is it to condemn us? Is it to make us feel bad? Like, what's the purpose of us gathering on this Sunday? Like, because honestly, if you're a person from the outside looking in, we worship a dead zombie guy. Like, he rose from the dead. Was he dead? Like, what's going on? Like, if you're not really understanding this Jesus thing, you're like, was he dead? And then he rose from the, like, what's going on here? Was he a zombie? A zombie king? You guys gather on Sundays and lift your hands up and sing songs and drink, what, communion? His blood and body? Like, what is that? No, no. He didn't come to Condemn us. He didn't come to, like we're not going to confuse him what the world is trying to put him into this box. No. We understand that Jesus himself came from his fullness of all who he was as God, personable, powerful, strong, a teacher, a lover, a prophet, a God, truly God. He came because he loves us. He came because he loves us. That's really easily wrapped up in John three. 16. Now we know in John 1.14 that it says that he he made his dwelling amongst us. He came to live amongst us. He came to be with us. He came to tabernacle to be with us. He came to be close to us. Now some of you guys have had sleepovers at your house and I would say that's a really cool thing to do. But you don't let anyone come over to your house for a sleepover. Let's be real. You don't do that. Why? Because you don't know them. You don't trust them. What he did And what he's done is he's come and even opened himself up. He moved from glory, from his seat in heaven to make his home with us, to be with us. And one sixteen says that from his fullness, from all the craziness and the glory and the honor of who he is, we have received grace upon grace. Now that's a big church word. But what it means is this, that God gives you what you don't deserve. That's what happens. You don't deserve something and then God... Out of his love, just gives it to you. He just gives it to you, and so again we can say Jesus came because one, he loved us. That's tied up in John three sixteen. He came because he loved us, and then we also know this that Jesus came because he wanted us to know him, he wanted us to understand him, to hold him, to love him, to trust him, and then lastly he came. So we could receive grace. See, there was no other way that God could make a way for us. And this is the center of the gospel. That God became a man. So we could be made, like, like really have relationship back with God. So that all those things that were broken, that were set aside from our sin, when we messed up. See, when you tell people that they have sin, they're like, no, I'm fine, I'm chill. And yet, you go through this test, this, this test called the good person test. And if you've ever tried this good person test, you ask these questions. One, like, have you ever stolen? If you're real, yes, have stolen a few things. Have you ever lied about something? Ah, oh, a little lie, maybe admitted some truth. Okay, that's a lie, too. Well, have you ever looked at a person and thought, like, really bad thoughts about them? Like, not, not like, trying to kill them kind of thoughts. All right, okay, you're a little, there you go. So really, at this point, so far, you're a thief. You're a, a stealer. Same thing. And you're an adulterer. You're a murderer. You have all these things in you. Because the Bible has this high bar. Like the God of our universe has this high bar for what it means to live and love. What it means to be a person of purity. And so ultimately all of us fall short of this good person test. And so to bridge the gap for all of us, there is a cost. It costs something. And the actual cost, eyes up here, is this. The cost is our life. It cost is our life. Someone had to pay. And so what God did, because he loved us so much, is that he himself paid that price. No one else paid it. He himself. No, not, he didn't send a substitute. He didn't send down an angel. Now, for perspective, in the Bible, angel, one angel killed 144,000 men. One. Which means at least that guy can get around, right? 144,000, you move pretty quick, dude. So imagine this. What if he sent down 10 like, or 15, 20. When he was already like, shared the gospel with all kinds of people? No, but he chose to do this. He chose to come down himself. It was personal. It was real for him. It was a pursuit. And this pursuit of love leaves us with one question. And the last one is number three: What? What is a response to a God who does not push things off to a servant or push things off to an angel? No, what does he do? He comes himself. What is our response to this kind of intentionality? What is a response to this love? That this icon, this, this God who sits in the heavens and does what he wants, and yet he chooses to be personal. He knows all your intricacies, how much you love K-pop. He's about that life too. I would imagine in heaven people are going to be dancing all kinds, right? Like he's all about what you're about. He knows your intricacies, what you love, what you hate. All the good, the bad, and yes, the very ugly. Like he's all about that. He knows you. And yet he still embraces all of who you are. What do you do as a response? You receive this Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Your Lord, meaning he's in control of all things. All things in your life, nothing is set aside. All things are captivated and encapsulated in who he is. And then two, your Savior, meaning you say, God, I am not the one who owns the rights to my life. You are the one who does. Now, if you're hearing this for the first time, you're like, dude, like this is intense. See, when Christ comes to our hearts, like he doesn't just come to just be this nice, chill guy. Like, yes, he's great, he's loving, but he demands all of us. He wants our speech. He wants our heart's affections. He wants what we love, what we hate. He wants all those things and to hold them, to carry them. See, Jesus came again to be our Lord and Savior. And as the worship team comes up, I want us to walk through these next steps, right? These are next steps for us, right, for us as believers, as people who are hearing this text, who are hearing about this God, this God who is personal, who is powerful, who is amongst us, with us, living and active. Like, think about this, right? I am, my name is Aaron Michael Wolgenbe Kayondo Kajumba. Those are five names, four of them on paper, right? This is the reality. I was born in Oxnard, grew up in Uganda. What the heck am I doing here in Calvary Community Church in Westlake? Like, what, what are the chances that you have to meet me? Some of you guys are meeting me for like the second time. You're like ninth graders, you met for the second time. And you're in this room only to hear this particular message that Jesus is God and Jesus died for your sins. It could be a million other things happening right now. There's a million other places you could be right now, but God ordained and destined that you be here. See, God is pursuing you. He's chasing you. He's after your heart. And as we recognize that this God, from this Bible, I didn't pull these things out of a book or something like that. No, these are from the Bible, from the word of God. That as we see this God in the revealed word of God, we begin to know him. And so our first next step is this. You need to grow in the word of God. And if you don't have a Bible, we have a ton of Bibles back there. Feel free to grab one, take one with you, give one to your friends. Like those Bibles are for you to read, to tear up, to mark up. If I talked about circling, you're like, dude, I don't have any Bible to circle up. Aaron, I don't even know where to start. Literally, my story is I took my father's Bible and page after page after page, I circled and underlined everything that was in his Bible into my Bible. To this day, I find things and I'm like, oh my gosh, where is this from? And I'm just amazed what God has been speaking to me. So check it out. Steal from your pastor, steal from your small group leader, but grab a Bible if you don't have one. Two, I want you guys to grow in community. You cannot do this alone. Like, you really cannot do this alone. I'm 31 years of age, and yet I still need to do this with not just my wife, with other people outside of my inner circle. I need people to speak into my life to encourage me, to even sometimes really tell me, hey, Aaron, what you're doing is dumb. Like, you need to slow down, bring it back, and like, like, let's talk about this. Like, I need people in my life to speak wisdom. And so I would say grow in community. That means for you, here we are. The beginning of that is this after party. We're going to kick off this evening with... Hanging out, eating pizza. Like what do Christians do exactly? They eat, they make merry and have a ton of fun about Jesus. Like, that's what we do. That's what we do. We live in joy because we are looking towards joy. That's what we do. And so be a, part th- be a part of this after part. Be a part of our summer nights. Invite people. Get to know people. Grow in intimacy. It's awkward to meet people for the first time. I know. But this is it. Break that awkwardness by the hope that... As you get to know people, God is going to open doors for you to grow in community. One of those major points would be come to summer camp. In fact, not just come to summer camp, but invite people to summer camp. See, this whole idea of us being the light, like John the Baptist, who is not actually the light, but he invites people to the light, to see the light. Like you're John the Baptist. God has called you to be a person who draws people's attention to Jesus. And so we invite people to this space where they can experience him. It's the simplest thing as saying, hey, like, come check out this service. Come enjoy what God has done in our lives. Like, come eat some pizza. Like, come see what God is doing here. And God will use those simple acts of obedience. Because, again, it's, it's weird and it's different and it's awkward. He'll use those moments to bring people and change their lives. What I'm going to do next is going to be a more of a bigger change or a shift for some of us is I'm going to ask you guys in this room really to give your lives to God. See, the point of this time here is not just for me to come up and my vein be popping and like saying all these things about Jesus. Yes, I know it's a little hot and I'm a little loud. This is Aaron, I know. I'm so sorry. Welcome to HSM. But this is it. Check it out. It's really about the fact that I want you guys to just hear the love of God. See, the point of John... Or the book of John. The point of our series in John twenty thirty one Is that you would hear these words. And that by believing these words. Believing that Jesus is the son of God. That you would have life and life forever. I want to be parting with you all in heaven. Like my hope, my point in all this time. Is to make disciples. That so you guys would see Jesus and love him. And live like him. And rejoice with us together in heaven. And so as every head is bowed and eyes closed. I want you guys to think about this. If you look at this, this life you're living right now, and you truly are honest with yourself, and you know that you've been separated, you're far from God, that your relationship with God is not on par. One, there's two groups of people. One, maybe you, you, you've been a Christian. You've been on that path, and yet maybe you strayed away from that. You stopped making decisions that really reflected the love of God. That's one group of people. And then the second people would be this. This group of people where it's like, you've heard this story and you're like, I've never really committed to this, Jesus. I would ask that tonight, this evening, in this moment, you make that decision to live and love like Jesus. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to ask that if you are in either one of those groups, that you would actually look up, lift your face to me so I can see you and acknowledge with you where you are right now with Jesus. I see you. Amen. I see you. Amen. What I would ask you is this. If you have taken that brave step, and I counted three people, but in your heart of hearts, you know where you are with the Lord. That you may need to make an even bolder step. And there's going to be people in the back of this room who are going to be ready to pray with you to stand with you, to usher you into one, not only a a relationship with Jesus for the first time, but for some of you, you need need to jump into this space where, gosh, man, you've been far from God and you feel like you've been separated from Him. No, God is not far. He's not far from you. He is here, He is living, and He is active. And so there's going to be leaders who are at the back who are there to be present to pray for you and to stand with you and to, to, to really invite you to what God has for you in this next season. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'm going to release you guys to use our prayer wall to write down what God has put on your heart. And our leaders are at the back of the room ready for you if you want someone to pray with physically. For whatever it is, they are present to walk this life with you. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room who um, who have acknowledged their need for you. Lord, I ask that you just just roll over them, Lord God, with your waves of one, peace, your mercy, your grace. I thank you, Lord, that they're making one decisions to live and love like you, to submit their lives to you, to trust you. Seeing that they're not smarter than you and they need your wisdom, they need your guidance, but ultimately they need your salvation. They need you to save them from the sin that's on their lives, Lord. And so, Lord, I ask even for those who are in this room and they've already trusted you, Lord. uh, Strengthen them yet again, Lord God, to walk a life that reflects your love and your glory. And all God's people say, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this, don't forget to subscribe and also check out past episodes. For more content from Calvary HSM or to connect with us, visit us on Instagram at calvaryhsm805. Go live and love like Jesus.